not the best thing that ever happened. Yes. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you would turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Amen. I'd like to speak tonight on a, a personal relationship with God personal relationship with God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, I just can't imagine, Lord, my life without you. We're so grateful, Lord. And we love you so much, Father. I pray, Father, that you would just help me to Get out of the way, Lord Jesus, that you would be able to speak through my lips, Lord, to these people, your people, Lord. We know that they have needs, Lord Jesus, and I'm just a mortal man. But Father God, if you come and stand behind these lips of clay, and Lord, I can study and, and do all these preparations, Lord Jesus, but if that Holy Spirit doesn't come down and speak, Lord, we've come in vain. Lord, there's needs here, Lord, and we know that that you are God who supplies our every need, Father. So I pray that you would just help me not to be bound so much to my notes, Lord, but be bound to be tethered to that Holy Spirit. We love you. We thank you for it. In your name, Amen. Amen. Acts chapter nine. Verse, starting with verse one, he said, and Saul breathing out threatenings and a slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, whether they were man or woman, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. 
And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. May the Lord add his blessings to his word. You may be seated. So we, we open the scripture and we see Saul going to Damascus. It's a very familiar scripture. And, and we know that, that Saul was a, a student of Gamaliel. He knew about God. He knew about God. He knew Moses. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He had all the, the, the intellect that you could bottle into one man was right there. And so he already had this, this, this foundation of, of, of feeling good about himself and, and, and knowing the scripture. Right? And so I, I, we're going we're gonna to let the Lord move back and forth here. But, but we want to look at, 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 as message believers... If you've ever talked to denominational people in depth very much, 99% of the time it's very superficial. There's an intellect, those that are sincere. Now there's some that you talk to and they're, they're in the church for business or they're in the church for, for something to do. But, but if there's somebody who's sincere, uh, they, they know the scripture on a surface. And if you've been around the message very much, you know the scripture on a surface. Now, let me... Let me <laughs> and you know, you know about God. And you can, you can tie a lot of those people in knots just from what the message is. What he says. There's an intellectualism to this message that a lot of people have. And I told the young people a, uh, a couple weeks ago, this message is a blessing and a curse to people that come up in the message. Because they really don't know what's out there. And we take for granted the fact that we have so much understanding, not because of who we are, but because of this message. We're not necessarily smart people. I know I could speak for myself and I'll go ahead and volunteer Jack too. <laughs> But, but we, I, you know, we're, we're not necessarily these deep intellectual people and, and theologians and they can, they can divide and take apart in all the scripture and all those things, which is wonderful to have that intellectual faith. How do you get closer to God? Read your Bible and pray, right? So it's good that they're reading their Bible. It's good that Saul had this, this foundation. We need that. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should stop reading. Just No, we, we've got to have that intellectual peace, if I could say that. Now, since the, the time we were in school, 
We learned about Abraham Lincoln, George Washington. We've learned all these characters down through history, right? And we have an intellectual understanding of who those people are. And we can say, you know, and, and there's a lot of, you know, Abraham and Lincoln, you know, freed the slaves and so on and so forth. And we could, we could talk all about his life. But does that mean that we know him personally? No. Most people don't know that Abraham Lincoln had a high, shrill voice. Yeah. You would have known that if you knew him personally. But we, didn't, we don't know those things. We don't know him on a personal level. We have an intellectual conception of him. So, so people that grow up in this message, a lot of times the, the, the problem that we fall into is that we have an intellectual conception and it's a good one. There's nothing wrong with it. But Saul was in the same place. He was sitting in the same, same pew as it were. He knew Moses. He knew all the prophets. He had all this idea of what it was supposed to be. All those prophecies, he was looking for Jesus Christ. Intellectually, in the Bible, he's saying, we're looking for Jesus Christ. But yet, he's going around persecuting him. There's something wrong with that picture. Brother Bram says, and, and, and what am I talking about? Or, or, uh, is, your, is your life worthy of the gospel? 63. He says, a Christian is not a tool or some kind of mechanical wrench to a great big re- religious regime. That's right. A Christian is not some kind of tool that keeps a re- religious organization moving. A Christian, that's not a Christian. A Christian is to be Christ-like. And a Christian cannot be a Christian until Christ comes into the man and the life of Christ in him. Then it produces the life of Christ lived. And you do the things that Christ did. Says, what am I talking about? Personal relationship to Christ. What is it? Is your life worthy of the gospel? Is your life worthy of the gospel? What is it that, that, that people are missing? Now, now, some of us have a personal relationship. I'm not, but can it be deeper? Can it go further? It's an unfolding. Amen. It's not, we are not put here to make sure the message goes on. Mm. Let me say that again. We're not put here to make sure that the message goes on. The message doesn't need you or me or anybody else. We're not put here for that. It's not a religious regime. A lot of years it's been that. It's just been, let's push the message, push the message, push the message. That's good. It's good to have an intellectual knowledge. But that's not what we need. That's not what we're put here for. So, I'm going to read uh, 
the definitions of, of this, this sentence, a personal relationship with God. Personal, it's an adjective of affecting or belonging to a particular person rather than to anyone else. And the sense as they give it is, is her personal fortune was recently estimated at $37 million. So it was hers. That's her personal. It's good that they put money involved because then you got your personal money. We can all relate to that, right? That's hers. That's, that's her money. Similar. Word similar. Distinctive. Char- characteristic. Unique. Individual. One's own. Uh, particular, private, peculiar, exclusive, exclusive, idiosyncratic, individualized, personalized, especial, direct, empirical, firsthand, firsthand, immediate. Those are words related to personal. It's one's own. One's own. We're not going to make it on Brother Branham's experience. We're not going to make it on Brother Donnie's experience. Brother JD's. Any of you? Brother Keith, I love you. I hope you make it. But I'm not making it on your experience. I've got to have my own. That's mine. It's personal. It's mine. A relationship. The state of being related or interrelated. The relation, connecting or binding participants in a relationship. Kinship. My own kinship. My own kinship. Hmm. A personal kinship. Something in common. If you're kin to somebody, that's that's Southern. Kin. I'm related to some people. Now, some of them I claim and some of them I wish I did. But it goes both ways. Right? It goes both ways. A personal kinship. With. It's a preposition. Josiah, come up and sing the preposition song. I'm just kidding. Preposition. It's used as a, a, a function or to indicate a participant in an action, transaction, or argument. He works with his father. He has a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. So I could say all I want that I'm preaching with Paul Arrowwood, but if Paul's not up here, there's no participation. Now he participates in his, his way from his pew, but he's, he's not preaching. That's not his, his state of being at the time. Right? Now I better be preaching with God, otherwise we're in trouble. But it's a, it's a participation with, together, a personal, my own, 
kinship with participation. God. God. The supreme or ultimate reality. The, per, uh, the being perfect in power, wisdom, goodness, who is worshipped. Who is worshipped. The being perfect in power, wisdom, and goodness, who is worshipped. As a creator and ruler of the universe. So here we are. Personal. Mind. Relationship. Kinship. In participation with. Whoa. You don't mean to tell me. God. The ruler of the universe. I know this is simple. It's very simple. I, I'm not trying to be deep. But I want you to understand that God is not way out there. He's not so far gone that we can't relate to him. He's not so far out there that, that when we're in trouble, we can't call on him. I got a kinship. Right? If I've got something going wrong with my lawnmower, I've got a kin. He might not like it when I call him, but he, he knows how to fix them. So I'll call him up. I'm not going to give his name. He's bashful. But there's, there's certain things that I, I can, if I need to move furniture, I'm kin to Paul Airwood, whether he likes it or not. Right? There's a, there's a kinship. I know we're, we're going slow. The Statue of a Perfect Man, 60, 62, says, what is God? God condescending to his creation. God wants to be worshipped. The word God means object of worship. And it's God trying to condition his people so he can get from them what he created them for. What? What he conditioned them for. He's trying to get you to a place that he created you for. Wow. A personal relationship with God. So he can get from them what he created them for. He never made you to be something else besides a son and daughter of God. I work on hospital equipment. That's not what I was created for. Joe Biden wasn't created to be the president. In more ways than one. But we're not here on this earth to do an, a, a job. We weren't created just to do a job, just to exist. How many people know people that just exist? My, they just exist. And they're missing the whole purpose of why they're here. God never created us just to exist. He had a purpose. Right. 
If you have missed that of being a son and daughter of God, you've missed the mark. What's missing the mark? Sin. So out, everything outside of that boundary, you're sinning. Ooh. I'm not saying quit your job. Guys, don't do that. But understand what that job is for. To supply for your family so they can be sons and daughters of God. Right? It's not complicated. It's a simple word. He says, and miss, the word S-I-N means to miss the mark. Miss the mark. Then if I'm shooting a target, driving an attack at 50 yards, and I shoot, take my gun down and shoot and miss it four or five inches, what's happened? My gun needs tuning up. There's something wrong. And if I miss faith in God, if I miss being a Christian, God put you here to be a Christian. If you're off to one side, come back and get tuned up. There's only one thing that can tune you up. That's the scripture. The Holy Scripture, the Holy Spirit in the scripture tune you bring you directly into the target again. <clears throat> so if you're missing the mark, if you're not a son or daughter of God, you're sinning. What do you need? You need some tuning up. Amen. I've got a lot of quotes. I, I can't help it. He's better at saying stuff than I am anyway. So with a personal relationship, we're called to be Christians. We're called to worship. Yeah. Called to worship. That's what a personal relationship is. It's a call to worship. It's a personal worship. God hates form and fashion. Right? It's no fun to, to, to listen to people sing that really aren't singing. Brother Branham couldn't hold a tune in a bucket. It's okay to say, guys. Whether you got a musical ear or not, he, he just couldn't. I can't either. I just got up here and say, I wasn't singing to you. Right? I can't hold, I'm, I'm, here I am talking about Brother Branham and, and I'm guilty. But I'm not singing to you. There's a personal worship. When I'm singing about Papa God, I'm talking to him. And if you're not doing that, you say, well, I don't sound good. That don't matter. You're missing out on, on what you're called to be. What you're called to do. Praise the Lord, we got some singers. They're nice, and they can bless us. That's their gift, that's their calling. But guess what? If you're not doing it, then it, you're missing your gift and your calling. Amen. You don't have to get up here and do it. Amen. In fact, please don't. It's okay. But you need to sit in your pew and let it out. That's what you're called to do. It's a personal relationship with God. Let him know how you feel about it. Let him know. Say, God, I'm still here. And don't just do it here. 
Do it in your car. It's amazing when he'll come down. If you just start singing. It's a worship. A personal relationship with God. An object to worship. God is an object to worship. So if, if you're not worshiping, then how can you have a personal relationship? Think about it. How are we supposed to have a relationship with God, an object to worship, if we don't worship? It don't have to sound pretty. Now, God, in the beginning, wasn't even God. Right? We know that. That's message. Wasn't even God. He was just a being. And he wanted so badly to be God, the first thing Brother Bram said he created was angels. And what did, we, we know also from the message, that the angels are around his throne singing holy, holy, holy. Right? They're worshiping him. But he didn't want just to be known as a creator. He didn't want just to be God as a creator. I know you know all this. But I'm getting to something. So, real quickly, what did he do? He went to the garden. And he allowed Adam and Eve to sin. Why? Because he wanted to be a savior. Hmm. So, if you're sitting here tonight and you've accepted Jesus Christ, then guess what? You have a reason to worship him. Oh, what? Yeah. But in order to have that, that reason to worship him, what did you have to happen? You had to be a sinner. I still worship him as a savior because I know him in that way. That's so personal to me. If you would have known the old John, he'd be like, whoa, you got a lot to worship him about. Right? And I could say the same thing about a lot of you. But we, don't, we, we let that get stale and old. But he's an object to worship. If you ain't got no other reason to worship him, to talk to him, no other reason whatsoever, what do you have to worship him for? He's your savior. My. Sometimes your experience feels flat. Flat. It's seasons, it's okay. You're in a season. But the best way to break out of that season? Oh. I'm looking and my life is flat. But I know you saved me. Thank you for saving me. Your life is flat. And you just got over a cold. Guess what? 
all of a sudden, you got another reason to worship him. That's good. He's your healer. It, it's not complicated. But our experience goes flat sometimes because we're humans and we've got life that goes on. And I, I work today and I, I did this yesterday and I got this to do tomorrow. But is he a personal God? I can thank the Lord that, 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 that Jonathan got healed or Jonathan got sick. That's good. But I want to praise him for all he's done for me. I don't want it to be flat. When I feel like it's getting flat, I want to remember that he's an object to worship. And he wants to be praised. Hallelujah. Power of transformation. It said God likes to be worshiped. And when you worship him, it isn't exactly singing a song as we do, but singing it in the spirit of worship. You see, then you feel the Holy Spirit bounce back. Then you feel the Holy Spirit bounce back. I could sing, uh, Jesus loves me. But if I sing it in a way that I'm worshiping him, then I'm going to feel that bounce back. What, what do you mean? <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of singers out there in this world. A lot of singers in that, this world. There's country music people that put Jesus in there and they feel good about it. Yeah. Mama prayed for me because I wrecked my truck and lost my dog. Yeah. Right? And all of a sudden, you get into that spirit. That's what singing does. Get you into a spirit, an atmosphere. Unless it becomes too routine. You can pray, you can practice. Mm, sorry, Brother Louis. You can practice the praise out of a song. Think about that. You can practice the praise right out of a song. Because you have to do it so perfect and so routine. And you go over it and over it and over it and over it again. Until you're so concentrated on that routine that you're no longer worshiping the whole purpose of why you're singing. And guess what? The people out there feel it when you're up here. It's good to practice. But don't practice the praise out of a song. I'd rather hear your voice crack and you be sincere and hear you singing with all your heart and worshiping, then hear it hit every time. Right? Why? 
Because it's a worship. It's not just to sing. Not just the song. The words are nice. But when you get somebody that can sing, well, when you get somebody who can worship while they sing, there's a huge difference. Brother Branham. Right? So let's not practice the praise right out of the song. Amen. Now, when the father finds a child that's obedient, how he likes to come and say, sir, your boy is a perfect child. How obedient your children are. How they love to worship you. Hmm. A perfect child. Obedient. They love to worship you. I don't know. Maybe that's just happenstance. They gather together and they raise their hands and the tears runs down their cheeks. They're just so full of joy. How the spirit might, they must love to do that. For God is an object of worship and he wants to be worshiped in the spirit and in truth. Jesus said so. But we get so starchy, we just can't make a grunt. We can't, couldn't say amen. We just sit there. How the Holy Spirit must dread to say that to the Father. But when we are obedient and love him and praise him and give him glory, how the Spirit must love to bring this to him. You know, he'd say, Father, you know, your son is just like you. Oh, he's just perfect. And if we'd say it here in our, old, our street expression, just to chip off the block. Why? He loves you. He's obedient. Obedient in worship and praise. We're talking about a personal relationship with God. It's a personal relationship with God. So you've got to make your person... Worship God. It's got to come from here. It's a personal relationship. I think worship is undersold. It's undersold. It's not as important as it used to be. We know Brother Louie is going to get up here, right? Sing two, maybe three songs. We're going to have two or three specials. And then we're going to get to hear the word. Right. But what did we just read brings down the spirit. Right. It's the worship. Right. It's a proper worship. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with, with what Brother Louis does or the, the order of the service. There's nothing wrong with that. Where it goes wrong is when we're flat, when we're doing it. You know how hard it is to preach in a flat audience? No, you don't, but I do. It's hard. 
But when the Spirit's moving, and when we've got worshipers happening, and that personal relationship, that personal relationship is your lick of fire. That's your lick of fire. If you want to make a bonfire, we sit in here and we worship together. Our personal relationship with God is burning bright, right next to Brother Jonathan, next to Brother Jonathan, next to, to, to Justin. I know your name. And all those, those, those licks of fire, they join together in worship. And while we're together, what's happening? I'm worshiping my God. And telling him what he means to me. And he comes down and says, oh, Brother John, I love, oh, wait a minute. Is that Brother Key? Oh, I, I want to make him busy. I want it to become so personal when I'm in those, those pews or when I'm up here preaching or whatever I'm doing, I want to make it so personal. That it burns bright. It burns so bright. And God comes down and that Holy Spirit bounces back. It bounces back to me. And it's just bouncing all over the building. And the Holy Spirit is so enveloped this place. That when, when the man of God steps behind the desk, what happens? It's just bouncing and hits him too. It's so much easier. When the Holy Spirit is bouncing, when it comes personal. I know it's a body move. Absolutely. It's a body move. But the body's got to move. The body has got to move in unison, together, personally. It's got to be a personal relationship. My. I got so many. So when the spirit of God is near, what will take place? Salvation will be introduced. Huh? Salvation that will bring a spiritual worship. So when the Spirit of God is near, what will take place? Salvation will be introduced. Salvation that will bring a spiritual worship. Not a singing of hymns altogether, but a worship in the Spirit. It's got to be so contrary to the intellect. It's stunned by it. You can't understand God by intellectual faith. You must be born again. It's got to come to the heart. It's got to be an experience. And when that experience is wrought by the Holy Spirit, then the same nature and the same power and the same reaction that happened on, happened on the church first will come again. For it's God in them. Mm. Jesus said, a little, uh, a little while in the world see me no more, yet ye shall see me. For I, I is a personal pronoun. I is a personal pronoun. And who's saying this? Jesus. So while you have your personal relationship, he's saying, I will be with you, even in you. 
Personal. He's getting personal too? What? It's a personal relationship. And he's saying the same thing. Now remember this. You cannot, or God cannot, be God. Cannot be God without worship. And he can't just drum it up himself. And if it's a, I will be with them, even in them, personal. That's a personal pronoun, I. He can't be God without your worship. It's a body move, right? Found you before the foundation of the world? Sounds pretty personal to me. Just like Moses said, we're not going to leave a hoof behind. God said, we're not rapturing until every individual, every person that was in the back part of my mind, individually, we're not taking a rapture until every one of them gets in that place, right? The place of son and daughter of God. And how do you become a son and daughter of God? You worship. That relationship becomes personal. And Jesus said, a little while in the world will see me no more and you shall see me for I is a personal pronoun. I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. Then the works that I do shall you do also. Hmm. And when those works are produced in a church, it stirs the people. The outside people. How many have got family you'd love to see come to the Lord? Yeah, me too. Isn't that funny? So, he says, when, then when those works are produced in a church, it stirs the people, the outside people. So who's the outside people? Who's the outside people? Our loved ones? Sinners? But what are we doing? It stirs the outside people. Those works should be in here. How do those works come about? The Holy Spirit. How do we get the Holy Spirit to come down? Worship. See how it all works? It's beautiful. He doesn't leave anything out. It's worship. It's a personal relationship with God. You cannot not. Now, you can't experience the same things that I've experienced in the same way. Right? Some things that get you excited, be like, okay. And some things become common. Right? I'll give you an example. I got a job. 
And they supply me with a new van. Every, supposed to be every 75, but it's been a little harder to get it. Every 75,000 miles or three years. Okay? Real nice. It's a nice perk. Nice perk. I never had a new vehicle. I never would buy a new vehicle. Brand new. Still got that smell. Now, the first one I got, because I was a new employee, it was, a, it, it was eggplant colored. And the first time I sat in it, I thought, Lord, have mercy. Who chain smoked in this thing? And I made them clean it for me because I couldn't breathe. I wasn't real excited about that one. But I was excited because, you know, there's a new van. To me, new to me. The next one I got, I got it in 2019, 2020. Oh, they called me up from down here. It used to be grind staff. There it was. 2021, brand new, still smell good. Now, some of you are like, that ain't no big deal. It's because you bought a lot of new cars. <laughs> What's better is I didn't have to buy it, and I still got to ride in it. <laughs> oh, I went down there, and I checked it all out. I said, bet, come on down, honey. She's like, can I take it home? Sure, you can take it home. We were excited. I had to go to Rogersville for my latest one. Was it exciting? Yeah, but my wife wasn't willing to drive to Rogersville to drive it home. It wasn't as exciting. And I imagine the next one, did you get the new van? Yeah, okay. <laughs> right? It's become common. We've experienced that now. Every day his mercies are new. Every day his mercies are new. That should never become common to us. I need forgiveness every day. Every day his mercies are new. Think about the things that you enjoy in the Lord. You should enjoy being able to talk to him in a personal way. And know that it's not in vain. You're not talking to some statue. You're not talking to some, some unknown, un, who knows what God. But we should rejoice in the simple fact that we have the privilege to talk lip to ear to God himself. Has that become common? I'm afraid. I'm afraid for me. I can't speak to you because it's not your personal relationship, but it's mine. Sometimes it comes common. God forgive me. Lord, help us. Every day, his mercies are new. I love 
to get in his atmosphere. I love to be enveloped in him. And he's told me how to do it. He's told me. He says, you want me to come down? You want to spend time with me, John? Worship me. Thank you, Lord. Worship me. Make me your personal God. Make me your personal God. Let us renew our relationship. I've got an older brother. 20 years back, he went in the Coast Guard. I went and, well, we won't talk about that. I didn't see him for two years. Didn't write to him. Didn't call him on the phone. No communication whatsoever. Two years. We weren't mad at each other. We didn't hate each other. We're brothers. I'll, I'll, I'll not forget, he was, he's in the Coast Guard, so he was stationed in Virginia Beach. And he found out I was in Tennessee when I was just visiting. He says, I got a weekend. Found out I was there. He drove however long it is. It was not awkward. Wasn't weird. I wasn't uncomfortable. I saw him. Hugged him up. A few minutes later, we were probably wrestling with each other because I was younger. It wasn't why. We grew up in the same bedroom. And it wasn't very big. But we had a personal relationship that went back for years. We had experiences together. He was four years older than me, so I got pounded on a little bit. A lot. But he was my brother. We had a kinship. We had that relationship. And I, I'm sure that, that, that if you've got brothers or sisters or whatever, you think about them, and it's, it, you, you see them after it's been so long, and it's not hard to hug them. Some of you see me playing with my dad out there. I'll pull him up real close and hold him like he used to and pat his head like this. <laughs> but we're, he's my dad. But we got something more than just that. I'll tell you a secret on him. You might want to go out. <laughs> <laughs> see, you see that? Did you did you hear that? <laughs> I'll sit next to him sometimes. He used to do this to me as a as a kid. He tickle my knee right there. Well, it don't bother me now, but it'll still get him. I'll say, "Dad, you girl crazy." Got you. Got. 
But there's a point. I can do that that much. Now, he's 78 years old. And I can do that to a point. But there's a, he'll say, John, that's enough. (laughs) He'll laugh for a minute, but then that's the stopping point. I know. I know. I know the tone. I know the look. Could I overpower him? Say, you're going to get tickled whether you like it or not. Maybe. I don't want to try. Because he'll say, John, and I'll see that fist ball up. And there's just a line of respect. But I know it. Because we're personal. And God will put up with so much of us. He'll put up with so much of our stupidity. So much of our carrying on. And so much of our shortcomings. And so much of those things. But he'll say, John. And I'll see that fist ball up. You better know when to stop. And if you ain't got a personal relationship with God. He'll smack harder than you ever imagined. You don't want to find out. Because you're his son. There's nothing he can do about it. He might have tried. But I am his son. And whether I like it or not, whether he likes it or not, we are kin. God saw you before the foundation of the world. Guess what? You're kin. Amen. And if you don't know him in the way that you should know him, you're going to get smacked, young Christians. Right? Right? I was a young Christian, and it's hard. Those lumps are hard. The sad thing is, is sometimes us older Christians get so busy Lord, have mercy. That's not in the notes. We get so busy and so caught up in what we are doing, we forget our worship. Our vision gets blurred. Our common sense flies out the window. We know we shouldn't work so much. We know we shouldn't lay out a church so much. We know that we shouldn't get that new shiny car just because. We know. And he'll put stuff in our way time and time and time again. But if we've let that personal relationship, we've let it go, then we become oblivious to the bald fist until it hits you. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we're not, we're not here to play games. We have a very specific purpose. 
to become sons and daughters of God. What we were created for. He's called us to something greater. We all worked with the guy who just had to have a little more or just had to have this or got so busy in this and that. And they turn around and everything is gone. And it's easy for us. Look, Brother Brown talks about trying to keep up with the Joneses. It's very easy for people in this church to get caught up. And some of you aren't gonna like us. I just it's on my heart. There's a lot of wealthy people in this church. It's okay. They're supposed to be here. Not talking bad about them. There's a lot of money in this church. And one of the biggest mistakes that you could make is trying to keep up. With that. I know that's tight. But if God's called you. To drive a Toyota Corolla. That you have to tie down with a rope. If God's called you to that. Then you're where you're supposed to be. I've seen a lot of, when I, back when I was young, first married, I saw a lot of young married couples trying to keep up with certain people. And they didn't have the means or the calling to do so. And it made them drown. Hurt marriages. Lord, what in the, but I'm just telling you, be careful. That'll get in way of your personal relationship because you're working so hard to keep up with so-and-so that God's saying, hey! Remember you used to sing and worship to me? Now the only altar you have is your Bank teller? Lord have mercy. It's almost time to quit too. On the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit come into the people, they acted like they were drunk, even so much as they scoffed and made fun of it, said, these men are full of new wine. Peter said, Ye men of Jerusalem, and ye that, you that dwell at Judea, let this be known unto you, and hearken unto my words, for these words are not, for these are not drunkards as you suppose. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It'll come to pass in the last day, saith God, I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh. When that same spirit is poured out, Upon a congregation of people, the same results will take place. For you cannot put a life of a grapevine in a pumpkin and make it 
bear pumpkins. It'll bear grapes. By their fruits, they are known. The church is known. The world is wondering, who is it? And what is this that's going on? They don't understand because they don't know God. They don't understand because they don't know God. We're supposed to have such an air and such a worship about us, a personal relationship with God so much that they're not uncomfortable in the sense that they feel like they're going to get robbed. But they're wondering what in the world is going on with that guy. I just saw him smash his thumb with a thing with a hammer. And he didn't cuss. He didn't yell. He started praying. Right? Things that we go through, people can't comprehend how we can still have joy. And how do we still have joy? We've got a personal relationship with God. And even though things are bad, we know the God who can fix them personally. That makes, that's the greatest witness that you could ever give. That's being salty. That's just having that personal relationship. It oozes out of you. Think about these, these, these people, and I'm going to, I want to read one more quote, and then we'll close, but think about this, these sports stars and so on and so forth. When somebody runs in, my wife, the other day, okay, I don't even know what the guy looks like, but she does. She comes home and she says, I just saw Evan Carter in Ingalls. Wow. But when you run into somebody like, I saw Emmett Smith at Disneyland. Woo. But really, what does that mean? What does that mean? You saw somebody who could throw a ball or hit a ball or run with a ball or tackle somebody with a ball. I mean, we could go on, but you get the point. What does it really mean? But this world is all kind of crazy about sports stars and singers and all this other stuff. And if you get an autograph, look at this, or a selfie, I was with him. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Maybe I'm supposed to go from the top. I don't know. But they get so excited about those things. I shook his hand. I'll never wash my hand again. Crazy. They don't even know those people. And yet you have the opportunity to talk to the God who created the universe every moment of your life if you so choose. You have that opportunity 
Babe Ruth was a great ball player. Where is he? Dead. What does it mean? Are you fulfilling your, your purpose? Do you have that relationship? That personal relationship with God? And I'd say most of you do. But is it as deep? Is it a selfie with God? Is it an autograph? Did he give you a good book to read? I'm referring to the Bible. Did he give you a message? Huh? Wow. Maybe you can go on eBay. They say that a, a, a signed Evan Carter card right now, I think it's worth 25 bucks or something. I don't, I don't really know. And that's where a lot of people are at with God. What can I get out of this superficial relationship? They know God. We got a lot of Pauls, a lot of Sauls. They know God. But they're grateful for their salvation. And they can call him when maybe they get sick sometimes. Yeah. But we have, God has given us such a message that we're just not stuck on that. I wish I had the quote, but Brother Branham talks about that utopia. If somebody gave you a utopia, you would run and find a ladder and climb upon all the shelves to see what he's given you. getting personal with God. I loved my wife when we first got married. That's, I say it past tense because it was, I, I loved her. And I say it past tense for a reason. Because what I feel for her now is so far beyond what I thought I had with her then. And how did that come about? Personal relationship. I know more about her than I ever have. And I love her now more than I ever have. But the exciting thing is, until the Lord comes, and even after he comes, we're going to be together. And I'm going to get to know her more. So my love for her now will be past tense. Because it's going to keep growing and expanding and moving beyond my my understanding That's good. Yeah. Right. we're going to have all eternity, all eternity. That's, that's what God how he wants us to relate to him get in there find out what he's got for you Lord is there another reason to praise you oh my look at this Wow. You did this for me? My. 
My kids have been making fun of me because I'm, I'm using these. I'm thanking God for these. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. One more thing. And I think Brother Donnie might have read some of this quote or a similar quote or, or something like that, but I, I just feel like this is where I want to land it, if the Lord help me. This is uh, it's a long quote, but is your life worthy of the gospel? <clears throat> it says, Then if you wouldn't talk to me, it was Satan's time. He said, and I thought you said he was a good God. What's all this you're hollering about? You're just a boy. Look around over the city. Every girl and every boy you ever associated with think you've lost your mind. You have. Now, he couldn't tell me there was, there's no God because I had already seen it. But he told me he didn't care for me. Yeah. Hmm. Sit all night long. All day long. And I said that to God. What have I done? Show me, Lord. Don't let the innocent have to suffer for me. If I'd done wrong, I didn't know he was trying me. But every son that comes to God has got to be tried. I said, tell me what I've done. I'll make it right. What have I done but preach all day long, all night long, and just, and, and just give, him all, or give him my life constantly. What have I done? His reasoning. Now this is a God that is a million miles away from Brother Branham. He said it. It was like a black veil come down. Yeah. We're going to have those times yes, in our lives. Right. Satan said, that's right, you see. Now when it comes to you and you've told all of them that you believe that he's a great healer and there lays your baby lying there dying. He refuses even to even hear. Your wife died with tuber tubercular pneumonia. You said he could heal cancer and there he is. Now you talk about him being good and how good he is to people. What about you? What about you? Anybody ever been in this place? Yeah. Why are you still here? Then I began to listen to him. That's reasoning, I thought. That's right. said, he could tell you, you don't have to speak the word. Just look to your baby and it would live. So the devil knows. He knows. I said, that's right. And as much as you've done for him in that that's what he does for you? I said, that's right. I began to think, well, what? See, everything to begin to break away when it come to reasoning. But when it come to that, that hung. It stayed here. I was just about ready to say, then I'll quit. Now, I'm going to stop right there. And I want to say something simple. We start feeling that way towards our brothers and sisters too. We'll hear one little thing. 
or somebody will, or, will do something. Hey, I hate to tell you this, but the devil's got a toolbox full of tools. I've been one. You've been one. We get under anointing sometime and the devil loves to use our brothers and sisters against us or us against our brothers and sisters. And that's the reasoning goes, look at all I've done for them. And they treat me like that. I was in Walmart. Had my hands full. And they walked right past me. How did they walk right past you? You didn't say hello. But the devil wants to do that to us too. This needs to be. (laughs) Brother Keith, you got a deposit of God. Yeah. I'm to be nice to you. And you're to be nice to me. And that deposit of God, what do you say about the ocean? Yes, sir. Scoop it up, and all the elements that are in the ocean are in that cup. So forgiveness is in that cup? Long-suffering is in that cup? I don't know, that was free. I just want you to think about that. But that's what the devil wants to do is he wants to sit us down and let us talk. And sometimes he'll use our son or our daughter or wife or whomever and just try and tear this relationship apart. Hmm. Like I said, that was free. But when... When it got down to all the reasoning powers has broke away, then it come to that eternal life, that new birth. What if it had, hadn't have been there? What if it hadn't have? We'd have known one another. We wouldn't have known one another in the way we do now. This church would not be not been here like this the thousands and millions around the world but thank God it was there that eternal life said Satan get away from me I went over laid my hand on the baby said God bless you sweetheart in a minute daddy will take you down and put you on mommy's arms the angels will pack your little soul away and I'll meet you in that morning I said Lord you give her you give her to me you're taking her away though You slay me, like Job said, yet I love you and believe you. If you send me to hell, I'll love you anyhow. I can't get away from that. There you are. Just being intellectual, it all broke away. But you've got to have personal relationship. You've got to be born again. You've got to have personal relationship. You've got to be born again. Let us come. Everything else will fail you. All will fall away. But if you have that personal relationship, 
If you've got that con, how, how was he able to stand? Though you slay me, yet I'll trust you. When everything else falls away, what stood? He knew God. He knew God. God doesn't do stuff willy-nilly. He doesn't take people we love just because he can. He knows what he's doing. It hurts. He doesn't say we have to understand it all. But if you've got that personal relationship with God, you can go to him in your hurt, broken condition. You can go to him in a place where you've never been, where you feel like the veil. We've all grieved. We've all grieved to where it's like it's impossible. It takes the, the air right out of us. It hurts so bad. But what holds that personal relationship with God? Though you slay me, Lord, yet I'll trust you. Though everything else is falling down around me, I'll trust you. Because you, you, you can get to a place where you can worship in your pain. You can get to a place where you can say, God, this is killing me. But I know that you love me. Amen. You didn't bring me this far. You didn't save me to throw me away. You're not a cruel God. I know you that well. I could think on so many things in my life that I thought, God, you ain't fair. God, this ain't right. I'm just being honest. And when it's all said and done and settled down, I can say, Sorry, you knew what you were doing. Yeah. Oops. But I've got such a relationship with him. It's like, oh, don't worry about it, John. Just, just do what I created you for. Just do what I created you for. Worship me. There's a worship in saying, God, you were right. I don't know how you were right, but you're right. You're perfect, God. You do all things well, Lord. Lord, I don't always understand why, but I do understand the who. I I know who's going to get me through this. Let's just stand if you would.
who am I that the king should bleed an eye for? I'm a worshiper. I'm a son of God. I am displaying his attributes every day. He said, John, I want to be a miracle. Would you do that for me? Oh, Lord. I'll be your miracle, Lord. Lord, I'll be your comfort. I'll, I'll put forth. Give back what you've done for me. Jesus I love you so much Lord I stand in awe Lord Jesus of all you've done Lord I stand in awe how perfect your word is Lord Father I pray that these words Lord they would be taken to heart and manifest in your people, Lord. Lord Jesus, we want to be what you created us to be, Lord. We want to do, Lord Jesus, exactly. We, we want to make you God. But not only make you God in the general sense, Lord, but we want to make you a personal God. Nobody can worship you like I can, Lord. You've made it a personal affair between me and you, Lord. And yet it's a body move all at the same time, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that you just help us now. Move in this place, Lord. Help us to put aside everything, Lord. And lift you up and praise you. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father. In moments like these, if you would, Brother Harry, help me. Make it personal to you right now. Say, well, Brother John, I don't make a lot of noise. and I don't. You do it in your personal way. That's the whole point of it. You can't do it like me. But I can't do it like you either. I'm a crier. Not to cry. You just find whatever it is that you need to talk to Him. In moments like these, sing out a song. I sing out a love song. Like these, I sing out a song. Oh, I sing out.
Yeah. 
you go and sing this? Morning, I see you in the sunrise every morning. It's like a picture that you painted for me. Love letter in the sky. Are faithful and true. No. 